What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. It's been a fun two weeks. And welcome to this episode of Fan in the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That is you guys by the fans. That is us. As always, intro and outro music provided by Park and Main. Check them out over at parkandmainband.com. Give us a follow Very on Twitter. Very enunciated. Thank you. I'm at so says Jay Paul. At Dervish of Whirl. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Just trying to enunciate more. All right. Um, the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network is available on Spotify, iTunes, or I what is it called now? Apple Podcast, uh, Apple Podcast, yeah, all of your all of your podcasting platforms, and of Stitcher. course, everyone's favorite website, brightsideofthesun.com. If you follow, if you listen, if you check it out on the website, give us a review, rate, subscribe, all that stuff. I like how I threw that like in way different order right there. You remembered it all, kind of. It's Sunday night, man. I've been working all day, and uh, so I'm I'm gonna. I'm, I'm sorry. Gonna use that as my excuse. I'm really sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. It I've been watching Netflix all day. Hmm. What do you watch on Netflix these days, Paul? Teenage Bounty Hunters. Teenage it's a good one. Bounty Hunters. Yes, told you about it. I it's know fun. you did. I'm t- I'm at, I'm giving you the opportunity to tell the people about it. Jeez, man. It's about two teenage girls in Georgia who decided to become bounty hunters. It's Hmm. not just a clever name. No, it's very on the nose. (laughs) So, so. Kadeem Hardison's in it and Method Man. All right. All right, Paul, we're going to get off your Netflix habits and we're going to get on to your Phoenix Suns habits. Because... This is the first pod we've recorded since the end of the bubble, since the end yeah. of the 8-0 bubble, since the Phoenix Suns became the winningest franchise in August history in the NBA. And well, we 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 want to we want to get get our thoughts out there, get our get our appreciation out there, if you will, because the Suns did everything that I expected them to do, but very few this other true. people expected them to do. I, I count. I count on my one hand three people who I actually heard say the Suns would go 8-0 in this bubble. And we're I'm one, semi-serious about it. And we're semi-serious about it. I'm one. Espo is the other. And the third is, uh, and I'm... I feel bad that I don't remember who it was, but somebody else on our very first Zoom call when we were talking about the records. So they 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 truly shocked the world. Even though they didn't make the playoffs, which we'll talk about, they shocked the world. They looked great doing it. And I I don't remember the last time I enjoyed watching basketball. Actually, I take that back. I haven't enjoyed watching basketball as much as I did for those two weeks since probably Nash's first year back with the Suns. You don't think you don't think you enjoyed it that Dragic uh, Bledsoe year when they almost made the playoffs? Not, Not as, as much? much. Not as much. I've never I've never had as much joy brought to me being a Suns fan 
since the Nash era? It was, it was definitely, at what point did you start, like when you went into a game, you were confident the Suns were going to win, like at tip. It's like, they got this. And then when something went wrong, they got down. You were like, oh crap, it's just going to get worse. At what point did you stop having that? Were you, did you get to the point where like, oh no, they got this, they'll get out of it. It was after the Clippers game. It was after the Clippers game for me because they so, got down. They got in. down. It, it was yeah, three games in. They got down against uh, against Indy, right? And throughout that game, I, I my my the only thing that crossed my mind was as long as they're not down twenty at any point, I'm not worried about this. <laughs> That's a very large number to not be worried about. It is, but if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, they got down. They, they were like the team, twelve, I think. thirteen by yeah. in, in that in that indie game. So, what about you, Paul? When was that moment for you? Um, yeah, it was probably. Um, it probably started with the Clippers game. So that was what that was game number two because I because the Washington game just didn't count. Um. Yeah. Oh no, you're right. Clippers was game number three. So yeah, it was about probably game number three. Yeah. Cause they, when they had the back to back 17, 15 game, 117, 115 games. And then it was like, okay, yeah, they're, they're playing on a different level. I haven't seen this before. This is not like, these aren't fluke victories. This is like methodical. This is, you know, they are in this, they're focused. Um, they are confident. I think that I think that was it. I think I think about the right about the Clippers game was when I realized the team itself was confident on the court. And they we'll didn't to, feel like they were playing above their heads. I'll have to we'll, we'll we will have to uh correct ourselves. The Indy game, they were up double digits and then Indy came back and that was a prime point where the old sons would have folded and we would have been like, Oh, well, here we go. Indy came back. It's all over with. I remember now because it was in the third quarter. Indy came back, tied it. Indy took a lead. And I was watching that game at work. Next thing I know, I look and they're back up 13 again. The Suns are. So it was same concept, but it was flipped. Meaning the Suns are up a lot, blew a big lead but that didn't feel like the end to me. And obviously it wasn't. And and from there on out, and they did get down double digits in games after that, but obviously managed to come back. And we've talked about this before. It was, it was one of those that it's not just the guys that you expect to right. step up every game. It were, it, it was the next man up concept that kept happening for this team in and out day after day somebody else stepped up and did something. And again, I think that I have said this before. Like, I'll say everybody who had minutes who had like a re like a, and like a consistent part of the rotation, including Frank, even at one point or another, like kind of, you know, had their moment to kind of step up. I mean, Frank's was probably the least flashy of those, but cause I think, but even still there was like, I can't remember which game it was. Was that OKC or was it that was Philly? Because Frank scored thirteen, they won by thirteen. And I, I, you know, hey Paul, speaking of things changing, yeah, I like how I was going on a little rant about how I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and you just cut me off, and I let it happen. 
the world's different in 2020, man. <laughs> the world is different. You're welcome. All right. Sorry. And I, I cut you off. I don't know what I was going to say, but you're welcome. I'm sure, I'm sure it was something I've said before because I started by saying, I've said it before. <laughs> but I bet in the future I will say it again. But look, at the end of the day, here's what we have to look at. The Suns didn't make the playoffs. The Suns were literally two points away from making the playoffs. The Suns are one Karis LeVert jumper or one Karis LeVert decision to not take a jumper and actually attack the rim. They were one stumbling, stumbling, uh, who was it? No, who stumbled into Dame Lillard? Who was it that collided with him? Dame Lillard uh, was stumbling. Was it it Trey Burke? Whoever it was, whatever Dallas player it was. I mean, if that play, that little stumble hadn't have happened, the Suns would have probably beaten Memphis. Would have been in eighth place and would have beaten Memphis. But but here's here's the thing. Even though the Suns were one stumble, two points, one bad decision away from making the playoffs, what a run that was. And there's nothing but positives to take out of what the Phoenix Suns did. I mean, the Suns have been the doormat of the NBA for a long time. The Suns have been the butt of every single possible joke any pundit out there can say for a long time. And in the past two weeks, the Suns have been the darling of the NBA. They're the bright now Suns, as Kevin O'Connor, one of the few uh, national media folks who believed in the Suns, over the last couple of years that they were actually building to something. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's their hashtag next year. And as much as watching that Nets Blazers game and the feeling I had afterwards, I mean, if you guys were on the zoom call, us out there for the first like 45 minutes, just <laughs> staring blankly at a screen because I was like dead and empty inside because it was so close for us. But then I stepped back and I thought, what, what have we now? I wasn't built. Well, good for you, Paul. Good for you. Because you, I wasn't, because it wasn't like the old season was the old season. Like the first pre bubble was pre bubble. Like there's nothing we can do about this. The Suns did everything they could possibly do. I do not fault them for not making the class. It was a, it was a short sighted decision by the NBA to have it's such a limited play in like they didn't take truly take into account. What if two teams are tied, then you have stupid ass tiebreakers or what if more like we literally had four teams, five teams within a half a game of each other at the end of that. And I mean, arguably all of the Western conference teams were within the four games of the eighth seed at the end of that. So only allowing that ninth team when there was another team tied with them to be um, have that play in was slight, rather short sighted of the NBA. Cause imagine that, you know, having like, even if it was like a four team play in for that eighth seed um, or what, however you wanted to run it um, you know, they could have been more specific of like, okay, if the team, if, 
more than one teams within two games will we'll even have have a multiple team play in or something, you know, have like tiers of it or something that they just I understand they had to throw it together. They had to make a decision. This is the decision they went with. And honestly, like nobody could have realistically predicted that the last team brought in in that Western Conference. Nobody? <laughs> this is an audio medium, Justin. You can't sit there side-eyeing me. Sorry, you should see the look I'm giving Paul. I will. <laughs> hold on. Okay, hold on. Let's reenact it. I'll take a, how do I take a screenshot on this? I don't know. No, you can't do a screenshot. That needs to be a gift because you weren't looking at me because you're looking at your other screen and you turn and give the side eye. You need the whole motion. You can't just have the ending like side eye. We'll, um, we'll reenact it someday, but someday. yeah, nobody <laughs> is. Someday, right is after a, we take the Nate, at, right after we take the Nate Duncan Danny Larue picture. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that at, once we can go out in public. Once basketball courts are open again, they're open, bro. Uh, hmm? Parks, our little park. Anyway, basketball continue. courts aren't. I to tell that to the park I was at the other day watching <laughs> okay. kids play basketball. That sounded um, weird. I was not at the park watching kids play basketball. I just saw kids playing basketball <laughs> at the park, just to be clear. Okay. But yeah, so anyway, the Suns did everything that they possibly could. So I wasn't disappointed because I wasn't disappointed in my team. I Yes, I was disappointed in the situation. Yeah, it kind of sucked. And I mean, the way it ended, I mean, yeah, I, my f- stomach was in my throat for the vast majority of that Portland Portland. um uh, Nets game, particularly because the Nets came to play, which was really nice on, you know, since seeing as the other opponents of the other two teams didn't really come to play, um, which was good for us that good for Memphis, um, bad for us good for Memphis. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but so here's, here, here's something yeah. I thought of and, and this might lead into something I know you want to talk about. Yeah. But all right, the Suns had a magical run in 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 Orlando. Do I doubt that they would have just won the title had they made it in the playoffs? No, I don't, because you know that's me. I'm never. Yeah, you called twenty four wins. I called twenty four wins. I was off. This all might be my fault. It's not their fault fault. because I forgot about the other wins when I was. It is true. It's not that they can still do twenty four wins. They've not had a loss yet. They still have those (laughs) wins in them, man. They just don't get the chance to get them. That's it. Yeah, that's. (laughs) But okay, when you're dealing with a playoff series, you know it's it's it's. Notwithstanding my optimism, it would be difficult for them to truly run all the way through and win the title. Now you've got all the teams that they are, in theory, chasing into the playoffs next year, playing additional basketball while the Suns can recoup, rehabilitate as needed, and be ready for what ultimately is a short offseason, right? Right. Like they've yeah, had it'll an off season, be- they go back and play. Now they're going to have another off season, and it's going to be truncated. And I think that's going to be beneficial to them in the long run. I mean, at the end of the day, would I have loved for them to make playoffs? Absolutely. But if it means we get a, a little bit more time for some of our guys who are a little bit on the older end, like Ricky Rubio, to take some time off, 
Devin Booker can go and do whatever he's going to do with Kendall Jenner for three months. God bless him for doing good it. for him. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, Kelly Oubre can continue whatever rehab he needs to do on his knee, whether or not you believe he needs it or not. Uh, it's, it's, it's only going to help us in the long run when you have a long, a young team already and you have these weird circumstances and ball's going to come back quickly ball being basketball, not like one of the balls. And um, well, one of the boss is in the draft. <laughs> the sons, the sons, the sons have time now to really fully decompress, come down off of this high, and Monty and his staff too can get back in the in in the in the war room, not just draft wise, but basketball wise, and get prepped for next season. Uh, and it's only going to help us. Exactly, and that was kind of what we had talked about a little bit before the um, we started recording that. I think in the long run, I think it could arguably be the most beneficial for the Suns that they did exactly what they did in this situation. They went undefeated and then didn't make the playoffs because now whether it's money, whether it's book, whether it's just the team as a whole, they know they can compete. They showed they compete. They are not afraid anymore. They are not, oh, we're the young team who can't compete with these guys yet because we're still trying to figure it out. No, they figured it out. But now they have something to prove that it wasn't a fluke. You know, they didn't make it into the playoffs, you know, because of kind of a fluky circumstance. But now they have a chip on their shoulder and they're not afraid. They they <laughs> have the proverbial chip on the shoulder, which they wouldn't have had had they made the playoffs, and they're full Kevin McAllister mode. Exactly. Exactly. They're going to We're be- not afraid anymore. You hear <laughs> us NBA? We're not afraid anymore. They're going to start putting micro machines on the court. That was the first thing that popped in my head when he said they're not afraid anymore it was Kevin McAllister walking out of his house yelling that. I was thinking about the Eminem song I'm not afraid, but um but we're going to have micro machines on the court. They're going to have like paint cans behind the, the backboards that are going to drop down. <laughs> I, I hear that's all shown in the, uh, if you, if you, if you book your tour now at the. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at the new, at the two project 201. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I, think I, it was, I think it was avoided today. Texted. He's like, I really just miss the transformation center commercials. <laughs> I'm like, me too, bro. <laughs> maybe we, maybe you should go. Maybe I will. Maybe go for a tra- tour what? of the transformation center. You, you talk for a little bit. I'm going to book my tour right now. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So, and, t- but that also dovetails kind of into what you were just saying of like, okay, the, the, the sons are pissed off. The sons have a chip on their shoulder. They're not afraid anymore. And all the teams that are, go- a lot of the teams that are going to be ahead of them are going to be much more tired than the sons are because they've had to play. They've not had the recuperative time that the sons are going to have over these playoffs because of the quick turnaround that is intended for the following season. You know, what is it? I think the playoffs are supposed to end like right around the end of middle of October. And then training camp is supposed to start the beginning of November, I think, or something crazy, stupid like that. Like you're like, 
whoever's in those finals is going to have two to three weeks off at most before they're back playing competitive, competitive ball. And that's going to be with integrating new players because of free agency and things like that. So I'm going to, everybody's going to have to deal with that. It's going to be, it's going to be nonstop basketball, which is going to be awesome from pretty much when this bubble started until, you know, the end of next finals, which is going to be great. You know, know, you got the lottery in four days, three days when this posts. Possibly two, who knows? Possibly two. We've got playoffs start on Monday, started on Monday. Um, So that'll be fun. And they're good because of the limited courts. It's going to be that whole thing where playoff games are going to be in the middle of the day. You know, it's going to be that same kind of schedule where it's going to be basketball for like six or eight straight hours, which none of us are going to hate. March madness has not ended yet. No, you know, it's funny. So I, I, when I said, I'm going to go book my tour, I actually, while you were talking, did hop on the website. (laughs) I was going to do it. And they have the option of asking, like, if you know who your rep is. And we've used the guy. So I went in, I'm looking. He's not there anymore. I don't I don't see his name, at least. But uh, there is a young man with the last name McAllister, who I feel like <laughs> everybody should now use because we're not afraid anymore, right? Right. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit more then, or let's start talking about what you kind of alluded to. And that's this offseason that's coming up as short as it's going to be, the first step that the Suns have is going to be this NBA draft lottery. And since we did our Zoom call the other day and it was not recorded, we didn't make a pod out of that. You do not want to hear that. (laughs) You do not. But I will reiterate what I said then, my my Sunstradamus prediction. Hey, see what I did there? Yes. And that is the Suns are going to get the number three pick. That's, That's my call. And you know what? Okay. The NBA owes them at least that. At least because of that. what the Suns did for the NBA here. Not 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 to mention the bullshit we've had to deal with in the past with uh, a certain former commissioner. Um, the NBA owes us at least that. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Paul, Paul, you're the less optimistic one out of this group. This is true. Where do you think the Suns are going to fall with that lottery draw? I don't know. I- I wouldn't be surprised if they jump up. I I think it's 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 in the cards because the karma has been good for the Suns. You know, like there's always like a team. It seems that those basketball gods, if they exist or not, like to reward teams that don't tank, that act that actively try to play hard, which is what the Suns did. And, you know, they get the extra benefit of moving up in the standings, but not affecting their lottery odds because of how the NBA froze it at when they shut down. Unlike Washington that did the reverse that should, that if, that if their games in the bubble had counted, they would actually have better lottery odds. So um, the, Basketball gods will reward the Suns for that, and we will jump into a top four pick. And, you know, speaking of odds, so the Suns have a 13.9% chance of That's making not insignificant. It into, the top four, into the top four. They have a 3% chance of one and a 
4% chance of four. I don't know what the specific chances are for two and three, but somewhere between three and 4%, right? Mm -hmm. I would say those odds are exponentially better than the odds that people would have given the Suns of going 8-0 in the bubble. So 13.9% <laughs> might as well be a guarantee when it comes to this team. That's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. It'll just make the offseason that much more fun for the Suns, for Suns fans. Yeah, and you know, I, I we could talk about draft. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to talk about draft? Yeah, okay. You don't want to talk no. about draft picks. I, I, I don't, don't remember any college basketball players. It's been so long. Fair enough, and I don't need to say anything else other than what I've said months ago on this pod, other than what I said during that Zoom call last week, and that's two words, one publicly traded company, Tyrese Halliburton. That's, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> one R&B singer, one publicly traded company. Oh, thank you, Paul. There you go. Way, way to contribute. Yes. One R&B singer, one publicly traded company, and one college basketball player, Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. Well, let's talk, though, about next season. Because I feel like the bubble changed the perspective for a lot of things going into next season. Maybe, maybe, yeah. And maybe not necessarily a lot on the surface, but the one thing that stuck out to me kind of has a bit of a cascading effect on other aspects of the off season. Yeah. And, and for me, the one guy that was always kind of, well, maybe the Suns will, maybe the Suns won't in terms of picking up a team option was Dario Saric. Right. Yes. And I, I think that his performance in the bubble made it abundantly clear that the Suns absolutely need to pick up that guy's option. And then other pieces that might fall. You mean, mean his qualifying, qualifying offer? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, they're gonna they're they're gonna put his qualifying offer out there and whatever if if another team comes and wants to sign because not a lot of teams are gonna have space to sign anybody. Right. Yeah. Because I mean the the cap is gonna be reduced. I I don't know I don't know if they've come out with a number as to like how significantly it's gonna be reduced. I think the bubble because they didn't know what they were gonna be getting out of the bubble and getting out of the playoffs and whatnot to kind of know end result BRI um, to determine that bubble. Or not determine of determine the cap, but yeah, I mean, it could be a situation where there's going to be a lot of guys out there who are going to take shorter term deals because you know maybe not at the money that they'd normally sign for, but you know a safe situation, shorter term deal where they can get back on the market when things hopefully have been able to rebound and like the cap starts going back up because you know. Fans can be back at stadium at the arenas and you know, that BRI can start kicking back up. So that, and you're right. I mean, Dario really did kind of fluke his way into, in a way into a role that like is like almost perfect for him. You know, if he didn't happen to have that one, the, or the, the sprained ankle, you know, Cam wouldn't, and because, you know, Uber is out and, whatnot we were in in a limited position cam wouldn't have moved into the starting lineup and something wouldn't have been unlocked just with the term team as a whole and with dario because when dario did came back in i mean he's because baines was out 
and you know Frank Frank was playing like shit. He was really our only backup big, so he's playing a lot at center, which is it's just so weird to me how the NBA is moving more and more away from really giant guys. You know, like you start you're like, oh, he's six nine. Yeah, he should be a center. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Dario proved his worth to this team and and I feel like, and we've talked about this on this pod, he's always been, even this season, he's been that guy that he does his job for the team, regardless of what it's going to be, what his job is at any given time. He comes through when the Suns need him. And maybe it's just a matter of in the bubble that was more pronounced. You know, you you paid more attention to it, but he's got this workmanlike attitude that just makes all the sense in the world for a team like this. And I think having a guy that you can just rely on being consistent because at the end of the day, no matter what, the Suns are still full of a bunch of young, young, young players. Cam Johnson can have great games and Cam Johnson, I'm sure is going to have bad games in the future. And if you have guys like a Dario, like a, like a Ricky Rubio who are veterans who just have this, consistent presence i think that's important and and i think dario really cemented his ability to be that type of player on this team and clearly showed through the bubble he's in the guy who needs to start to be able to perform well and serve a role on on the squad yeah i com- i completely agree with that and i i think hit him on the bench it allows him to operate in a way that is more freeing to him than being part of the sun's current starting lineup because it allows the um it allows offense to run through him which obviously when you've got two primary ball handlers like book and um rubio on in the starting lineup and even guys like you know mikhail and ayton both also um, you know, do have some of that, you know, passing ability and whatnot. Him being that focal point of that second unit kind of really unlocked something for a lot of the other players on the second unit as well, in a way that just hadn't really happened previously. And I don't know if it would have happened if we even had our full roster, really, just, you know, because, you know, having campaign in there, um, Javon Carter, and, you know, playing a more of a kind of playoff style lineup where it's a relatively limited rotation it just it just worked i don't i mean i don't fully know how all the secret sauce worked and just unlocked it all since all those parts were there earlier in this have been there the whole season you know maybe it's maybe it's just monty was just still trying to experiment too much during the regular season just trying to figure out and give guys opportunities whereas this he went into it with no we are here to win and you know everybody got in that mindset it's like okay if that means you're not playing sorry, or like, this is your role that you have to do right now. Cause this is what we figured out. Or they just had so much time that we're, you know, because they could rewatch every game, see, you know, this is what's actually working, you know, parse that out during that break. And then literally take that entire team and put it back and be like, okay, now I know what works with you guys. Cause I was able to actually have an opportunity to digest it all. And yeah. And I, I think you bring up a really good point and that is, how great of a job Monty Williams did 
in this bubble. Well, he's and, coached the MV. He's uh, coached the right. bubble. Yeah, and deservedly so. And Booker was first team all bubble, deservedly so. But I, I think that Monty had that chance to go back and really assess what because he basically had an off season, right? Right. But he returned from an off season with the same unit and the same the same players in place. Exactly. Less Kelly Oubre and plus campaign. Right. He less gave, less Aaron Baines. He gave Ty, and he gave and less Aaron Baines and he gave campaign or he gave uh, Ty John Ty Jerome his opportunity to prove himself. That obviously didn't work out. Next man up was campaign and campaign balled out. And I think it's a testament to Monty Williams' coaching ability. He he was able to assess what he has and how it's going to work best. And we saw that work out incredibly well for this squad uh, during that eight game run in Orlando. And I, I want to say it's also a testament just to the team as a whole that like you bring in a new player in a very truncated situation and, you know, they allowed him to kind of come in and be part of the team and integrated him, you know, so quickly and so well that like, it was like he'd been playing with the team for a whole season. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and now we look at the Suns again, I mean, going into this off season, suddenly we're, it's, it's almost like we have a, What's a what, functioning what, basketball team? What am I? Yeah, well, we do have a functioning <laughs> basketball team. We have like a, a embarrassment oh of riches. My God, yes, thank you, Paul. That's exactly the phrase I was looking for when it comes to like the the three and the four, because we've seen we didn't we played eight games without Kelly Oubre, and there was no glaring weakness at the three and the four, right? Right. Yeah. So now what does the team do moving forward? Like, where does the focus go into the offseason? Because we've all been talking so much about, and and obviously, no matter what, you're going to have areas where you can upgrade a team, any team. Right. Yep. But we always talk about, okay, the glaring weakness is the four, right? Right. Back a point guard, glaring weakness. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, maybe the four isn't that huge of a glaring weakness because can Our glaring weakness is backup three. shooting guard. Well, and to that point, you see a guy like another guy who has a qualifying offer this offseason being Javon Carter. Right. Who, yeah. You, you look at him as a point guard, but I, I feel like he's he, he excelled he, more at the two. You look he's at him like he's a point guard he's, he's because a, he's Of tiny. his body. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a shooting guard in a point guard's body. Is what he's, he a, he's, he's kind of... He's kind of a Barbosa type, but different. I, they try to make Barbosa a point guard, but he really was a shooting guard. Yeah, skill set skill sets very very different, but same kind of concept. Yeah, and 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 you know, since we're we're saying what the Suns did was a testament to Monty, let's also say what the Suns did was a testament to James Jones, because we say, okay, now the 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 issue is backup shooting guard. Okay, well. Javon Carter obviously has been able to fill minutes there. And you have guys who are flexible enough in terms of where they can play that you could put you can put Mikhail at a two with an Uber. They played four point guard lineups. Yeah. I mean the, I mean, the, granted, the, that was really end of the bench blowout kind of situations. But we but. suddenly we suddenly see the Suns truly being a team that this whole like 
positionless NBA thing, they're built to be in the positionless NBA as it is. And now right. anything that James Jones does to try to upgrade during this offseason or anything he does to try to maintain the status quo is going to be a positive. Like we're not looking at a team where we can say, okay, if he doesn't do this with the four, he doesn't do this with the two, or he doesn't do this somewhere else, then then there's there's something that went awry during the offseason. We're, we're looking at a team that can improve, but any improvement is just going to be building upon an already solid foundation, which is something we haven't seen in a decade. So do you still want to bring in Christian Wood? Or oh, do you want to bring- leave what we've got and it's more just like supplement around the, around the edges? Because well, Christian Wood, if he's coming <laughs> in, that's that's – changing a major piece, not kind of supplementing around the edges. And, you know, let me put it like this. If the Suns add a, a four, like a Christian would. Four slash five. Or they, or they don't, I'm not going to mm-hmm. be mad at James Jones about it. Right. Because you look at the four, okay. Do we want... Cam Johnson being a four primarily, I would say no. Right? Really? Is that is that fair? I I, I don't think so. Not primarily. Honestly, Can I think in, in today's NBA, I think he might be a four. Like, okay. I mean, he's got the height for it. You know, he's already put on 10 pounds of muscle. What do you think he's gonna do in this next break? Well, well, let's assume you know, I don't want to I don't want him to put on too much muscle. Let's assume this. But, let's look at look at the fact that. You've got a guy like Kelly Oubre who, regardless of whether he's traded or not, is probably not going to be with the Suns after next season, right? Probably not, yeah. So then if you were to bring in a guy like a Christian Wood and you've got a guy like a Cam Johnson, and depending on what they do with Dario this offseason, and you've got a guy like McHale, Mm -hmm. then you have a solid group of guys that can play the three and the four. Right. And, 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 the, I, and I say the five. that obviously meaning that, yeah, and the five. So, so again, it's, it's a matter of improving on the group that we have. If we bring in a Christian Wood, I think that's something that's a long-term improvement. That'll be interesting, too, to see what the Suns do this offseason, whether it's more of a – obviously any move is going to be intended to improve immediately, but mm. I'll be interested to see what moves they make and what those moves say about not just the immediate one, two years, but the next three, three four, four five years. years. Yeah. And I think that's when you get a name like a Christian Wood. That's not a guy you bring in hoping he's going to improve the team for two years. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely get that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it'll definitely be interesting uh, to kind of see how that all goes. Um you know, I definitely think there can be some things done with the backcourt. I'd be interested with another name, not not that we intended to really dig into offseason whatnot, but Bogdan could be another interesting option. You know, see, the guy we traded away. See now my my thing with the with the backcourt is this. But he'd have to be what? a bad he'd basically have to be like a the third guy. Yeah. And as much as we looked into, you know, as much as before the bubble and before COVID hit, we focused on, okay, the Suns need to upgrade at four. 
I feel like the biggest need to upgrade now is not necessarily point guard per se, but mm-hmm. the longevity of point guard because it is I don't know if this is the case or not, but Ricky Rubio has to be the oldest, if not you know the top three, one of the top three oldest guys on this team, right? I think so, Baines is older than him, and they are the two oldest. Yeah, yeah. So. Ultimately, but I mean, he's still like, is he 30? Did he turn 30 this year? I'll tell you. Because I don't believe he's 30. Or if he or he is only 30. He I don't think he's 31 or 30. He's not 31 or 32 even yet. I think the deal was to take him through like him being 32. Ricky Rubio will be 30 in October. See, I'm like, it it annoys me how much people talk about Ricky Rubio as if he's old. He's not 30 yet. If you're old at 29 in the NBA, when your prime is supposed to be through 32, 34, you know, he is just hitting the peak of his prime. Really. But I think you have to take into account the miles on the legs too. Which aren't even a ton. I mean, I guess he, he, I mean, he was, Drafted when he was 18. That's true, yeah. So I think that comes into play. And you have to expect that those additional years, it's not like he played, you know, high school ball and came into the NBA. He had he had pro experience. I think those 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 miles on the legs are gonna start kicking in at some point. So and 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 really my my point is that if we really back to your back to, back 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 to R and B singer, uh, publicly traded company. Well, <laughs> he would be he would be a fantastic answer, I think, to what right. the future of the Suns is going to be. At, at, uh, I would I wouldn't hate that. Keep Ricky as a starter. Bring bring Tyrese along, um, along as the backup, and then flip it at some point. Yeah. But then I mean, but then you're then you're like, well. It's really hard to talk about this team right now and be like, oh, where should we improve? They were perfect. Yeah. You know, it's like, where do you need to, like, it's now like at that point where it's like, instead of going like, okay, we need a complete overhaul, which is what we've been doing every season, just because it hasn't worked to like, I'm afraid to mess up what's working. Yeah, and and, and, like, and, and it's like, even to the point where like during the bubble, like should we? If Kelly Oubre says he's ready to play, should we even allow him to play? Like it's like there's a there's a secret sauce that's working yeah. right now that the the smallest change to the ingredient mixture could really throw it off and just spoil the whole thing. And there's definitely a level of fear of you know tinkering too much. Well, that's kind of my point. It's like we've we've been so used to saying okay the suns need to do a b and c to improve now it's like the suns could do a b or c to improve but if they don't do one or more of those then all right they've got they've got something that's working right now and it's a weird weird situation to be in as a suns fan it's really a weird situation to be in as a suns podcaster because we're so used to seeing these glaring deficiencies in in a in a in a roster that we just don't see right now. And you know, I, I tweeted out the other day that this episode of Fan in the Flames is going to be the most optimistic episode you're going to hear. 
And I feel like saying that we can't really pinpoint an area where we're like, yeah, the Suns absolutely need to do that this offseason is a testament to the fact that this is super optimistic because we're sitting here going, what the fuck can we do? We can do whatever we can do. A, B, we're a 34 and 39 team and we don't want to change anything. Yeah. Well, like well, what world 2020 is a fucking weird year, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it's just one of those where it's like, okay, we had a bunch of young guys. They're starting to like come into their own, let them run it out. Just give it a shot. See what happens. Cause, cause you know, we look at it too, like this, like we, when we had Sam on a while back, you know, a few weeks ago, right? And he he said, "Are oh, the Suns going to be a playoff team next year?" I mean, like the play the Western Conference is going to be a murderer's row. But 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 Suns are going to be in the thick of it. Yeah, like the, the, this team right now is suddenly. I mean, they were perfect in Orlando. Like, if we take <laughs> that sample size. We don't need to worry about making the playoffs. Like, <laughs> we need to worry about maybe losing a game in the playoffs. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that's kind of how – that's what this roster tells me right now. Obviously, that's hyperbole to a certain degree. But, again, the point being, we're looking at a team where we're walking into an offseason going, oh, I wonder what they're going to do. And not, not to the degree of I wonder what we're going to do at this particular position or in this particular area. It's a matter of – I wonder what they're going to do in general to improve this team. And and James Jones in one season, one full season as GM of this team, I feel like suddenly has all the goodwill in the world with his fan base. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, goodwill is a fickle thing in basketball, but he definitely does. You know, I mean, that Cam Johnson pick that was panned heavily – um, you know, has proven to be, I mean, if, if the NBA had allowed these bubble games to count towards the true year end awards, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam made at least second team all rookie. Yeah. You know, just, I mean, I don't know if he would make first team, but I mean, he definitely had jumped up a couple spots, just, you know, getting the start being the starter, you know, really showing out, proving winning. You know, it's amazing how, like, even if your stats aren't, like, the greatest in the world, wins just kind of overshadow that if you're, like, a significant part of it. Um, you know, Book probably would have made a uh, third-team All-NBA. I, I know a lot of writers who, like, had him as, like, one of their first cuts, but with the way he played, you know, he jumped guys that they put on, especially, like, like, like Ben Simmons probably – like is one that between the injury and just him not having played well in these seeding games where, you know, could easily have been a flip on a lot of guys' ballots. Um, you know, Mikhail might've had a nice late run at getting on like second team, all defense, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what these guys do in terms of developing further, in this next off season, like right. the now, because we saw the strides that Cam Johnson took. We saw the strides, even that Mikhail took. And, and I, I feel like Mikhail was showing it towards the end of last season, last season, towards the end of the pre bubble season. The before times. Yeah. Yeah. The before times, the AC or BC, 
before Corona. Um, <laughs> he was showing he was showing the ability to score outside of just being a three point shooter. Right. And, he was actually we, like becoming more of a slasher than a three point shooter. Like right. And and we saw more of that throughout the bubble. And Cam Johnson, a, a BC, was really just he was the three point shooter. And now we see him attacking the rim. I'm I'm very interested to see what those guys develop. I mean, even let's look at a guy we haven't really spoken about on this pod, and that's Da. The three point shot, obviously, he's hoisting that now. But we saw a number of times during the bubble where he actually put the ball on the floor. Yeah, and drove by guys. Yeah, that's and I mean, aspect of his game that I've I, again, <laughs> I've thought it was there. I honestly never expected it to really rear its head in the NBA. <laughs> like I, I would love it for that to happen, but I never, I was shocked when I saw him doing that during the bubble. And these are all things that these guys obviously have the capability of doing because they've done it now. And I really, really can't wait to see what it's going to look like when they continue to develop those aspects of their game. Because suddenly again, Mikhail Bridges isn't just a three and D guy. DeAndre Ayton isn't just a big guy. Offensive center. Yeah, exactly. And and Cam Johnson isn't just a, 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 a shooter. Like that, that opens up so much for this team, which again kind of goes back to the point of I would love to be a fly on the wall in James Jones' office as he's kind of assessing what he wants to do this offseason. And 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 hear what he thinks these guys are going to you know develop into. Does he think that okay, the aggressiveness that we saw of Cam Johnson in terms of actually attacking the rim on occasion is right. something that okay we've seen what we're going to see and Sneaky that's it. Or is he going to be better? Yeah, exactly. Like I just I can't speak highly enough of 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 the ceiling that a lot of these guys have. And if and James I'll, Jones can continue to put the right pieces in place as they turn over, because there are guys that are going to necessarily have to turn over. That's just the way the NBA works. Yeah, that's that's going to be the key because now we have we have a roster, we have a core. You know, we've always talked about the core of Booker and Aiton and Mikhail Bridges. That core is getting a little bit bigger, right? And it's a matter of okay, then while we can, can control that core, while that core is going to be what this squad. What's going to go around them that's going to allow those players to maximize their capabilities? And what's going to, what are those players around them going to do to help promote the continued improvement of this team? Right. Or are we going to get into a position where we become a true destination and like a team that, or, or not a team, a player, like one of those truly upper echelon players? is like, yeah, that's the guy I want to play with. That's the team I want to, I'm going to sign with for free agency. That's the team I want. That, that team's on my short list of my trade destinations that I will will re-sign an extension with or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. how far away are we from that? Because ultimately, you look at it like this. Like, okay, as Suns fans, we've said for a long time, players are going to want – players. we know players respect Devin Booker, right? we've always felt that Devin Booker can be one of those guys that players want to play with. Now the rest of the world, I think sees it because 
Devin Booker was a killer in these eight games. Oh, something we've assassin. seen before. But it wasn't just him being like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to put this ball in the hoop. He, his playmaking ability was his defense display. His, his defense. Like freaking um, we just Zach Harper. We Zach just, Harper was talking up Booker's defense the last couple pods and in his power rankings on the athletic and whatnot, like he was like, like Mikhail gets all the credit in the world for doing what he did, but he's like, Booker was on these guys just as much. And he wasn't giving up the farm. He was like holding his own. People are using the words Devin Booker and defense in the same positively in a positive manner. Think just, Everybody listening to this, just let that sink in for a minute. Just think about that. When is that? When is that? Not only when has that ever happened, which is never. When has that ever crossed somebody's mind as being something that could happen? Yet here we are. Like, <laughs> I, I, dude, I can't. Like, I cannot put words to how stoked I am about this team and this team's future. Like, I is, can't. Is Book going to get MVP votes next year? Absolutely. Like, he like, might win MVP next year. And notice, don't, don't as, be carried as, away. as optimistic as I am, I said might. I'm saying there's a chance. Don't get carried away. How about this? Will Devin Booker win an MVP in his career? I'm sorry. Seriously, I thought you were contemplating. Jesus. No, I, I I zoned out for a second. Sorry. Will Devin Booker win an MVP in his career? Sadly, I'm going to say no, but I think he'll be a top two candidate one year. My answer is yes. I know it, it might is. be next. It might be next season. I don't know. Well, because yeah. I just like to. to 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 circle back to um your your what is Sam to you? What like cousin in law? Cousin in law, sure. If that's fake, a thing, fake cousin in law. Um, you know he. You said he texted you the other day, and he upgraded his position on Devin Booker from a B plus Clay Thompson to which a was, B plus which was, Dame which Willard. Was disgusting to start with, but yes, <laughs> to a B plus Dame Willard, which at this time. I mean, I would probably say an A minus Dame Lillard because Dame Lillard is, you know, Dame Lillard's great. And Book is getting really close to what Dame Lillard has been able to do in Portland. And Dame barely sniffs the MVP conversa- conversation. I mean, yeah, if the Suns come out and are like actually like controlling first place in the Western Conference led by Devin Booker then yeah I can see him getting MVP but how old, how old how old is Devin Booker 23 how old is Damian Lillard 29 I think he might be 30 but either way he's older being, than Ricky Rubio point being yeah cuz he did go to four years of school didn't he point being you've got a guy who was a B plus Clay Thompson it is now a B plus Damian Lillard. I agree with you. My first thought too was A minus, but <laughs> he's doing that seven years younger. Yes. We'll call it, we'll call it six years younger, even. Like 
we we've seen as Suns fans, we've seen Devin Booker develop. We saw. I don't know develop. his feeling, man. We saw him develop from from March to July of this year. I mean, yeah. I don't know what his ceiling is either. Like, like everybody's everybody tries to like. I mean, could he be? I mean, if the defense thing sticks around, could he become a uh, like almost a like more efficient A minus Kobe Bryant? Well, and let's let, let's look at that like this. And I, I I thought that I was when you when you said could he be Kobe Kobe came to my mind. And obviously there are reasons why that comes to every Suns fan's mind. He, like, yeah, because I mean he patterns his game after him. Right, and you see that. When was Kobe ever the playmaker that Devin Booker was? Yeah, because he didn't care to be. Right. He could. And, he had the skills. And that's kind of to your point of, I don't, you don't know what his ceiling is going to be. I don't know what his ceiling is going to be because I can't think of a guy and, and okay, you got guys, okay. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, they get their assists, yada, yada, yada. They're also primary ball handlers, right? Like we're seeing Devin Booker be a playmaker as a, as an off ball guy. I, 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 I don't I don't know what his ceiling is going to be because I honestly, I think his ceiling is something the NBA hasn't seen before. <laughs> I'm going to say that, man. And that he's, he's, ins- he's going to be he's going to be a prototype, like r- r- rather than like where like Jordan was a prototype, um, Tim Duncan was a prototype, Kevin Garnett was a prototype. There's nobody like that. Like every, guys are compared to them and how they. You know, like I mean, if, if, he's if always going to have the, the, yeah. Yeah. He'll be able to break out of the Kobe Jordan kind of mold yeah, or even well, the James he, Harden mold. Right. But, but he, I, I, I think Devin Booker's a better scorer than James Harden. He doesn't go to the line nearly as much as James Harden does yet, but he's starting to get some of that respect. Like what happens when Devin Booker shoots 13 free throws a game? Right. And, uh, I think I said this on Twitter and I don't know if you saw it or not, but um, the thing I don't like about James Harden is he foul hunts. Well, it, the, his game is not attractive to watch because he foul hunts. And with that is foul hunting. He's not even trying to make the shot. He's just, he's trying to get the foul. Book kind of foul hunts, but his foul hunt is to get the end one. Yeah. He's a, he wants to make that shot. Point, Paul. And but get that get that foul shot. And Devin Booker has the ability to and uh Voida, I think, brought this up when I was on there on the on the jam session pod. The way he carries a defender with him on, off his hip. As mm-hmm. he's going in, as, as he's getting into like the mid range area, is yeah. is it's it's poetry, man. I don't, I can't think of another NBA player that has the capability of doing that type of thing. And and I guess that probably goes to the fact that you know the mid range game is a lost art in the NBA right now. Right. And I, I again, I, I I just don't know, man. I don't know what his ceiling is because I don't know that there's a ceiling to compare him to. He's going to be Devin Booker. That's what he's going to be. 
And long till he gets his Devin own Booker shoe. ceiling. I want to see. Ooh. When the NBA changes its logo someday. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. So, so, so the NBA is going to have the the NBA's logo is going to be a a Phoenix player, and the WNBA logo is going to be a, is a Phoenix player. They won't admit it, but it is. What a world! <laughs> what a world! Oh man! All right, Paul. Well, let's wrap up this episode. We've been going yeah. for an hour already. Um, any final thoughts, Paul? Bring on Thursday. Bring on Thursday. Bring on Thursday. Hey, last question. Where do the Suns yeah. finish in the West next year? Sixth. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm not – do I need to give my answer? First? Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Like, like, what am I going to say? <laughs> what am I going to say? They're going to be ahead of the Lakers and the Clippers. <laughs> yeah. Of course. They beat the Clippers already multiple times yeah. this year. Yeah, true. And the Lakers, please. You know, yeah. hey, you know, you know what's funny, dude? It is about four games into the bubble. I had a buddy of mine from law school who grew up in LA, diehard Laker fan, text me and go, Man, Devin Booker needs to come to the Lakers in 2024. And I was like, look. I love you, but fuck off. Okay? <laughs> it's not happening. This is who I, this is, I know it's you Randy. probably don't. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if you wanted to put his name out there. I just want to make yeah. sure I knew who you Randy. If anybody wants to hunt him down, his name's Randy and he lives in the Los Angeles area. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go good. Good luck. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, man, I mean, that's another thing. I've known that guy for, what year is it? 2020. I've known him for 16 years. He has never once said anything about a Phoenix Sun becoming a, a Los Angeles Laker, except when I, I told him, thanks for taking Steve Nash off our hands. And I, <laughs> I love Steve Nash, but I mean, that trade had to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that, that's the kind of respect that Devin Booker now has. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's just going to extrapolate into respect for the Phoenix Suns. And we yeah. can only hope, as fans, I'm really looking forward to seeing where game. the Suns I, get put in. I know you in, uh, you're always looking forward no, to No, no, no. I'm looking forward to seeing when the season's over and all the national guys start saying, this is what we expect. Like that first power ranking, that first power ranking that comes out of like, this is where we think teams stand. Where are the Suns? If the Suns are at 13th again, I'm like, come on. What, so this last season, I believe the Suns over under in Vegas was twenty nine and a half. Yeah, they exceeded what that you, by four. What do you think it'll be next season? I wouldn't be surprised if they put it right around. If Vegas puts it right around what their win total was for this year, about thirty four. I was thinking. I was thinking it might kick up to like thirty-five and a half, thirty-six and a half, maybe. Yeah, but maybe just yeah. That'll be interesting too, because you know what? I feel like you should look forward to that more than any of what power rankings say, because Vegas has a propensity to get things right. There's a reason why right. Vegas exists. So there's a reason why anyway. Vegas always wins. Exactly. Exactly. They know things that we don't, whatever yes. that might be. There's a, yeah. you've, you've used the term secret sauce multiple times on this pod. Vegas has 
the <laughs> ultimate secret, secret sauce. sauce. Yes, 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 yes. All right. So we'll wrap up this episode of Fanning the Flames. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy this ride. Enjoy the ride that was. Don't think about the heartbreak of missing the playoffs. Think about the positivity, the optimism that this run has created for this team, for this franchise, for this community. I've never seen, first of all, Suns Twitter all being on the same page at any point at all. And notwithstanding the TJ Warren thing, during the bubble, yeah, Sun's Twitter was on the same page. I've also never seen. Well, I shouldn't say I've never. Ninety nine point nine percent of it was. I haven't seen this <laughs> Suns community. I haven't seen Phoenix be as stoked about the Suns in a long, long time. I have friends that I went to high school with who literally brought up the Phoenix Suns to me for the first time ever. I've known them for yeah. twenty plus years. Ever <laughs> in the past two weeks, man. The Suns are making waves. The Suns have the attention of this community, and we should be stoked about that as people who have been living and dying by the Suns, even through these terrible times for the past decade. Definitely. We've got hope. We've got optimism. Hold that optimism tight because it's going to become something that isn't just optimism. It's reality. Because like I tweeted out a little while ago, when we all see Devin Booker, hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy. I'm getting chills right now saying that. <laughs> see Devin Booker hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy above his head during a parade in downtown Phoenix someday. We're going to look back to this 8-0 run and missing the playoffs as a defining moment for this franchise. And we're going to look back upon it fondly. So might as well start now. I already did. You can- you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay Paul. I'm at Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Make sure to subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, thank you for listening. And have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Later. Just wanna hear you say-